Welcome to the Beers and Bible Podcast, a podcast that explores God's Word while enjoying the fruits of God's creation. You can find us on Instagram at Beers and Bible underscore, on Facebook by searching Beers and Bible Podcast, and on Twitter at Beers and Bible P1. You can also email us at Beers and Bible Podcast at gmail.com. If you enjoy what you hear on Beers and Bible, please consider leaving a five-star rating and a review on your podcast platform to help us promote this podcast. Billy Currington summed it up well when he said, God is great, beer is good, and people are crazy. So let us join our hosts, Michael and Anthony, for this week's discussion. Welcome to episode number 100 of the Beers and Bible podcast. I am Michael. I'm Anthony, making noises in the background while Michael talks, try to make him laugh. It almost worked. I almost (laughs) got a chuckle, but uh, welcome to episode number 100, um, and we're glad that you've joined us tonight um, or today or whenever you're listening to this. Um, And Anthony, we made it. Episode 100, man. 100, man. It's. uh, I feel like we've hit a milestone. You know, we're... We're we're old and aged and experienced now. Um, we we've been guests on other podcasts. Yeah, I um, mean, yeah, that was fun. The uh, episode with the uh, and thanks to the recovering fundamentalist podcast guys for having us on their episode. Yes. Um, when, we missed you, Brian. We did. When this comes out, it will actually be um, basically right at a week since yeah. that episode came out. So, um, but guys, thank you for having us on your podcast. And if you've uh, if you're checking us out because we are on the Recovering Fundamentalist podcast, that's hard to say. It um, is. If you're checking us out because uh, from our interview there, um, thank you for joining us, and we hope that you uh, tune in uh, every week and go back and listen to some old episodes and catch right. up on what we're talking about. So, um, Anthony, what's yeah. going on with you, man? Man, I tell you what, it has been a busy week. I, I, you know, the I go into work and I'm like, oh, I'm gonna try to leave at this time today or get this stuff done, and it hasn't happened, man. It's just been one thing after another. It seems like when I get one fire almost put out, another fire pops up, and and this this whole entire week has been nothing but fires for me. So mm-hmm. I'm glad to have a, a night of just kind of relaxing. We're gonna we're we're going to do the special thing we talked about, which is gonna be fun. Yeah, and. It's going to be a good evening. Yeah, man. How about you? What's going on in uh, Michael World? So in Michael World, um, <laughs> actually earlier this week, me and my family went on a little mini vacation. Um, That's right. Had some friends that invited us out to a condo um, down in the Tampa area. So we went down there for a few days and hung out and spent a day on the beach and spent a day at the resort thing and... Um, just enjoyed a time to reset and rest and relax. And, um, of course that means today was my first day back in the office <laughs> and I was a little concerned because I got zero emails from the end of the day, Friday until today, like this morning. Wow. But what it was, was I didn't set up my out of office correctly to where it would copy me on any emails. So oh. any emails that got forwarded to the to the guy who was covering for me, I didn't see them. Um, so he got I'm, like a thousand emails, and you didn't. He have got to do a anything. lot. He got he got so many emails, and I came in. I was like, I don't know what's going on, dude, because I haven't been able to see anything for the last five days, which was kind of nice because I was just able to like, okay, well, I guess I'm not. I guess they don't need me because they would have called me if they needed me. So yeah, there you um, go. 
That's nice. So that, but that was good. We're we're back into the swing of things. Um, it's middle of October now, and uh, with that comes fall and Halloween and prepping the Braves for, clinching the NLDS. Yeah, the Braves won the their series, their first playoff series yesterday or the day before, maybe I don't yeah, remember when. Knocked it was. out the Brewers. Yeah, they did, which is unfortunate for the beers and Bible podcast people because <laughs> brewing, but. Um, no, Braves fans here, and um, we will find out tonight who their opponent in the NLCS is. So, mm. I'm part of me wants it to be the Dodgers to get revenge on them for last year, <laughs> but I also know that the Dodgers are really good at baseball. Yeah. So, um, anyway, so yes, that's what's are. going on. Um, and we're just staying busy. Family's all good, healthy. Nice. Uh, you know, we're. Rocking and rolling, man. Rocking and rolling. That's good times. Yeah. So what are we going to do tonight? We've talked about it. So, yeah. So we've teased this a couple of different times. And tonight, in honor of episode number 100 of the Beers and Bible podcast, Anthony and I I are each going to be drinking 100-proof whiskeys. We're going to be drinking and reviewing 100-proof whiskeys. Um so if you're looking for beer, sorry, we we <laughs> you, bypassed that you this week. The one episode. Yeah. You picked the <laughs> you picked the episode that was um just not it's not gonna happen. So we've got nope. ninety nine episodes or actually yeah. ninety yeah, ninety nine episodes. 99. Even even the uh Cinco de Mayo one was a beer esque thing. So that's right. Um so we've each got different whiskeys. Anthony, I want you to tell our listeners about yours because oh, that one sounds really interesting to me. It does. So um I I enjoy whiskey. I'll kind of set up what I enjoy, I enjoy smooth um, rye whiskeys, uh, bullet rye. Um, my favorite kind of my go-to whiskey is Ten Cup. Um, so good. Oh, Ten Cup is so good. Um, and I like Ten Cup is one of those ones I could drink it. I drink it straight. I'll make old fashions out of it. I'll just drink you know Ten Cup and Coke. Um, and it's it's just one of those ones that's like it doesn't matter what you do to it. It's just really good. Mm-hmm. And so. Uh, that's kind of the vein of whiskeys that I typically drink. Gentleman Jack. Uh, I'm not a huge like Jack Daniels Black Label. I'm not a huge fan of that because I it's that's it's harsh to me. Mm-hmm. So that tells you what I like. But I found um, a Detling uh, whiskey, which Detling is uh, brewed or distilled in Alabama, and they are a small batch company, and everything they make is small batch. But this was a clear liquor. And if you know anything about whiskey, you know that whiskey is not clear. It is brown because it is uh, aged in uh, barrels, mm-hmm. and it soaks up the cherry oak flavors. That's what kind of makes whiskey really good. So this is uh, Detling, Alabama, white whiskey, and it is clear as vodka or silver tequila, and it caught my eye. And it just so happened that it was 50% alcohol by volume, so it's 100 proof. Um, which means that it qualified, and that was the reason that I bought it. So uh, Michael found a really good description of white whiskey hmm. that, that kind of made us all laugh. I don't think I don't know if I have it pulled up. Hang on. I, I can get it to it quick. Hang but, on one second. But it was funny. All um, right, so here we go. Are you ready for this? Re- read it because I laughed really you want, hard You want the it. whole thing or just like the first sentence? Just the first sentence because okay. that's the best part. So white whiskey is essentially a raw, unfinished product on its way to becoming grown-up whiskey. <laughs> if if anything has ever described me 
perfectly, it would be that sentence right there. <laughs> I, I like that there's a sentence in the middle that says white whiskey skips that last theoretically essential aging step and goes right to the bottle. <laughs> so, I mean, they say that it, t- to be called whiskey, the spirit technically has to be stored in oak, but this could last as little as 10 seconds. So Yes, yes. So Detling says this. I went to their website, and Detling says this about their white whiskey. Intended by the distiller to highlight flavors and aromas that simply cannot survive the barrel. This seasonal whiskey is an expression, is always something special. Each limited release will be an entirely new whiskey. So Detling is saying when you soak it, you lose a certain flavor because you pick up other flavors. Mm -hmm. So I'm interested to see what flavors of whiskey that you lose in whiskey from aging it in barrels. Huh. So. I never thought of it like that. So you're getting basically what the raw ingredient. You're getting the flavor of the raw ingredients. Yeah, yeah. I'll be hmm. interested to see what that is because I do enjoy whiskey, and you never know. You never yeah. know what it's going to taste like. So what do you have for tonight? So tonight I actually found one that our uh, friend John, who was on a few episodes ago, um, who is the uh, lead distiller at uh, Cotton and Reed in Washington D.C., he yeah. suggested um, the George Dickel. 13 year old bottled in bond mm-hmm. um so this stuff is uh, actually now it's 14 years old it was distilled in 2007 um but uh george dickel is based in tolahoma tennessee um so just kind of uh north uh north northeast or northwest of uh, chattanooga mm-hmm. um and the uh their website georgedickel.com um Says this thing earned the coveted Whiskey of the Year award from the Whiskey Advocate and was the top rated American whiskey of 2019 by wine enthusiasts. Nice. Um, so, 100 proof, uh, this release of George Dickel Bottled and Bond is best enjoyed slowly, neat, or on the rocks, and plays well in many classic cocktails like an old fashioned or perfect Manhattan. Well, so, I'm, uh, I'm excited about this one. And, uh, like like I said, John, a friend of the podcast, suggested this to us, and I I actually looked for the uh, clear whiskey or any kind of clear whiskey, and my package store didn't have it. So or- I had never seen it before y- the yesterday when I went and bought this. I was like, that is a clear bottle. I thought I thought it was uh, some other type of liquor. I thought I thought it was vodka or something that yeah. Detling just made. And no, I was, it said white whiskey. I was like. All right, that's what we're doing. <laughs> yeah. You, I, I think you were so excited you tried to call me, but I was like, yes. we were taking my wife's car through a car wash because we just gotten back from the beach. So um, that's, uh, I'm actually really excited about this. And uh, this will be probably one of the first times I've had something that's actually been su- suggested to us on the podcast. So, yeah. Um, I think I'm going to well, try it. I'm going to try it both ways. I think I'm just going to try it neat and then, uh, yeah. then add some ice. I do have ice up here. So, I'm gonna I'm gonna pour mine over ice. I enjoy it on the rocks, so I'm gonna pour mine over ice, and uh, and see see how it tastes. All right. Well, there won't be a cool uh, sound this week because no, because we're just gonna peel them. <laughs> yeah. So we're just insert Jeopardy theme music here, I guess, and we'll uh, yeah. Give I us a few minutes. We'll be right back in a second. Okay. All right. So I've Michael's gonna, Michael's gonna pop the top there. Well, this is good. this this is interesting. The smell of this is almost like it's got a whiskey ish smell. 
Yeah. But this is going to be freaky. It actually smells similar to tequila. Okay. Like I, I, I don't know. We're going, we're going to pour it up and see. So I've changed my mind. I'm going to put mine on the rocks. Um, okay. If for no other reason, just so we at least match a little bit here. <laughs> How much are you pouring? Uh, I've got, I got about an ounce and a half, two ounces. Okay. I'm just don't want to get, I don't want to get too lit up here. <laughs> Stumble down the <laughs> stairs. Um, so I meant to, I meant to share when I was describing mine or talking about mine that my, uh, my, I actually do enjoy Black Label Jack. That's my go-to. Mm-hmm. Um, right now, I have um, not Jim Beam, the other one. Oh. Uh, I can see it. Johnny Walker. No, that's not it. Not Johnny Walker? Doesn't matter. I, I have a, I have a, I, I don't think it's Jim Beam, but it may be. At this point, I don't remember. Um, that's what I have in my cabinet right now. I usually do have a Black Label Jack, but my favorite whiskey um, at to to up until this point right now is a Buffalo Trace. Oh, I've got a bottle of Buffalo Trace too. That stuff that is stuff so is good. good. I will drink that. I mean, I would drink that straight out of the bottle. That is the uh, the first my first encounter of Buffalo Trace was probably the closest to drunk drunk that i've been (laughs) mainly because we were at a restaurant and i saw it on the menu and i had been trying to find it for a long long time Mm -hmm. and um we ended up sitting not eating for a while but i was drinking those faster than i should have (laughs) so the next year when we went i controlled myself a little bit better because i had aged like whiskey so you you um, learn yeah so live and learn so I'm ready to taste mine if you're ready to taste yours. Let's do it. This and, thing looks uh, really interesting. It smells good. It doesn't smell like regular whiskey, though, so I'm I'm interested what the taste is going to be. Okay. Well, George Dickel and Detling. Bottoms Here up. Here we go. Oh, wow. That's... Oh, yeah. Oh wow, that's really good. <laughs> wow, that okay. I've never had white whiskey. And to me that doesn't taste like whiskey. Mm-hmm. But it burns like whiskey. Okay. It's it's we it, It's almost got a tequila-ish profile but not at all a tequila taste like tequila has that that saltiness kind of to it mm-hmm. um and and this like i can this has a little bit more of a salty flavor than than regular whiskey does um i mean i guess when you when you age when you age it in the barrels you get that smoky wood-ish cherry kind of cherry mm-hmm. flavor yeah it's definitely clear that that is not in this. And so, ooh, I don't know. This is really interesting. What What's yours like? I mean, mine is fantastic. It, it, like, <laughs> everything you're missing from the barrels, I, I'm getting. I'm getting, a, like, the smoky, oaky flavor. Yep. Um, the, the website says that it offers tantalizing notes of pecan, maple syrup, and dried apple. Mm-hmm. I'm literally getting all three of those flavors. Nice. Um, the nutty of the pecan, the sweet of the maple. Yeah. Um, it's really good. 
um, I'm going to have to be really careful. <laughs> Just being, if I'm being upfront with you, I'm going to have to be yeah. very careful tonight. So, yeah. Um, but George Dickles, it's really good. Um, but enough beating around the bush. Are you ready to rate? Yours? Yes, I think I am. So, because I am a fan of the rye whiskeys, the which this has some similarities to a to a rye whiskey. Um, this is good, but different good. Okay. So, I'm gonna have to come in. I'm gonna give this four Luthers. Okay. Four out of five Luthers. Um, that's not bad considering you don't really know what to expect because that's it's true. a uh, yeah. white whiskey. If I whiskey. had another white whiskey to compare it to, maybe maybe I would give it five or I don't know. I don't, you know, It's the first time I've ever had white whiskey and learning what actual white whiskey is. I didn't even know it was a thing. Yeah. But it's it's not quite as smooth as, as what I want in a whiskey. Mm-hmm. And so I can, it, it just kind of makes that part of it a little different in what I'm not used to, and and I guess kind of I'm still trying to adjust to it. Gotcha. Um, I'm kind of glad I got the bottle though, because it'll give me an opportunity to try it in a couple of different ways. You know, try yeah. it with uh it, with some old fashioned mixers. You can and mix like it, that. yeah. Mm-hmm. See see what it what it tastes mixed up in a in a drink. So, but four out of five Luthers, I'm I feel comfortable doing that. It it is good. It's it's interesting. I it's a sipper. I think I'll have to sip on this for a while. It's definitely strong. I can feel it burning my chest mm-hmm. all the way down. Um, so, so yeah, four out of five Luthers for the Detling White Whiskey. So, the George Dickel Bottled and Bond Tennessee Whiskey. Mm-hmm. Um, this thing is five Luthers. Nice. All day, <laughs> uh, sun up to sundown. High recommendation, John. Um, high, we appreciate John, that. that's you freaking nailed it, dude. Um, I mean, the flavor he, is so good. He uh, is a head distiller, so you would he, think he, he understands. He should, he should know. You're right. Um, <laughs> no, but the flavor is so good. It is so rich. It's so smooth. Um, the burn isn't overpowering. A lot of sometimes mm-hmm. whiskeys, the burn is really too much. Um, but, I mean, this thing is fantastic. Um Nice. I would compare it to Buffalo Trace. Oh wow! Okay, and I, and I don't know if that's like sacrilege in the <laughs> in, in the, the whiskey, whiskey community. I've seen some things where Buffalo Trace isn't like isn't high end, yeah stuff. So, um, but this thing is fantastic. It is absolutely every bit as advertised. Um, and I, I'll, I'll like like you said, I'm kind of excited to try it in some other things. Yeah. I'm not typically a like an old fashioned drinker. Mm-hmm. I usually just mix my whiskey with Coke. Um, like drinking it straight is very odd for me, and I'm drinking this straight, and it's very, very nice. good. So, nice. um, but yeah, George Dickel bottled and bond getting five Luthers from me. There tonight. you go. The first whiskey on the on the Beers and Bible podcast getting five Luthers. Yeah, that's amazing. That's amazing. So we'll probably have to do this again before a hundred more episodes. Yes, we will. We we might we might make it a regular every now yeah. and then. So so. Well, we're going to talk about the Bible. We're going to move into uh, our final week before we really move into uh, the Book of Lamentations. Uh, we're going to talk about choosing to trust, and we're going to do that right after this break.
Welcome back. Welcome back. We're going to talk a little bit about trusting in God. We're going to talk a little bit about lamenting while we trust. Uh, and we're going to round out the four things that we've been talking about now, kind of the first part of this uh, study we talked about. Um, why do I always forget this? <laughs> Call out to God? Cry out to God? Cry what out is, to God. Is that it? Um, I thought it started because it is. I always want to say tact, but it's not tact. It's T C A T. Um, turning to God. That's what turning it was. To God. It was there turning it is, yeah. to God. Uh, so turning to God. Um, we complain, complain ask and boldly. then we ask boldly. And tonight we're going to talk about choosing to trust. Mm-hmm. Yep. And um, you know, it's it when we talk about trusting in God, there there. When you say trust somebody, a lot of times you think this, it's kind of like this wholehearted, I've just, I've got to, if they say this, then I've got to agree with them. It's almost like a yes man mentality. Yeah. And what Mark presents is not really a yes man mentality, especially when you put it in the whole scheme of what he's been talking about for four chapters now. Yeah. Um, when you put and, it in, and he, sorry, go ahead. I say when, when you, when you use it in in Psalm 13, which is what he does, it really paints this whole picture of what it means to actually trust. Yeah. Yeah, when you put it into perspective of all the different things that he's talked about, mm-hmm. like trusting is not just this thing that you can automatically... It's not something you, you're automatically going to want to do. It's going to be a conscious choice that you have to repeatedly yeah. go back to over and over again, and that's something Mark touches on here. Yeah. but it, But it's something that you have to make the decision to trust God yeah. after you've gone through turning to him and mm-hmm. complaining and um, the other one. Why can't we not remember these? <laughs> I don't know. Asking boldly. Ask boldly, yeah. So, but well, but the, I mean, trust, the trusting comes out of all that. Yeah, I say if you, if you really work through the process here, um, then, then you're, you're going to end up at a place of trust. Yeah. Um, and I think I may have mentioned this in the last couple of weeks, but a, a lot of times where we see lament really take hold and really kind of be an example is in Jesus, uh, Jesus' prayer in the garden before he's crucified. You know, mm-hmm. he, multiple times he says, you know, God, if you if you can take this cup from me, I there is a part of me that does not want to go through with this, not not uh or not my will, but yours be done. Yeah. You know, and so it's it's this faithfulness. It's this, you know, you hear about people saying, "Well, I just had a peace about it." I almost, like that's almost what I think about. And even though I know that's really cliche, um, I think about people who have said that, and then I look back at at this at a decision that they made, and I'm like, now I understand why they felt a peace about that. They, they, you know, they had kind of walked through this process of lament and what it means to really just pour yourself out before God and be honest with him and be humble before him. And then at the end of all of that, you say, okay, I've gotten that off my chest. I've said what I need to say. Now let me, let me, let me stand on scripture. Let me stand on the promises that are, that are from scripture that God has made to his people and let's move forward. Let's do this. You know, you kind of get that confidence going on. And yeah. so that really sets sets in motion what trusting actually is, which is an expression. You know, it's mm-hmm. something that you that you do. You you know, um, I, I love 
the the phrase trust but verify, but mm-hmm. I also kind of don't love it in in some ways because when you do trust, you don't necessarily have to verify. Right. And I almost want to say you have verified and so therefore you trust. You know what scripture says. Mm-hmm. You've read it, you've studied it. Hopefully you've studied it and you know what scripture says because that's going to give you the confidence to trust. Yeah. So so many times I think in our interactions with other people, we blindly trust them and then they will turn around and stab you in the back or whatever. Yeah. But but the but the uh the characteristics of God are that you can put your trust in him because he is trustworthy. Yeah. Because he has put his his plans are perfect and he's put all that into motion. Yeah. And so and but we have the entire character of God in the scripture. If we know the scripture, we can know the character of God. That doesn't mean we know everything that he's thinking or doing or whatever. Right. Um but we can know who he is and who he says he is, who he claims mm-hmm. to be. And we could put our trust in that knowing that the scriptures are true and what the Bible says about God is true about who he is. Yeah. Yep. We're going to make it all the way through this psalm uh, tonight, but I love the end of Psalm 13 that we're going to look at where mm-hmm. he says, but I have trusted in your steadfast love. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. Yeah. And, and you know, that that is the conclusion of a of an almost gut wrenching psalm, yeah. and and it reminds me a lot of of uh, Psalm twenty three. Psalm twenty three is this psalm that that uh, that does this lament process. You know, um, we, where we we you lay yourself out before God and you say, you know, all of these things seem to be going wrong, but mm-hmm. then you get to verse six and surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Right, you know. And so, so you you start by by the Lord is my shepherd; I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters, and and it's it's this peaceful thing. And then it says, "Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you get this this hardness that's that's happening in the writer's writer's mind. Um, but in the midst of that hardness, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil because you are with me. Your rod and your staff they comfort me." Yeah. And and so it's it's a there's a parallel there I think between verses 5 and 6 here and and Psalm 23 and it shows that confident trusting even in the midst of your struggles in the midst of your pain in the midst yeah. of your complaining in the midst of whatever it is that you're going through you have that trust in God. So uh so Michael Card who's a musician and author and um he's a Christian musician not just like a random musician but um, he actually wrote El Shaddai, yes, the song that Amy Amy, really Amy Grant popular. made famous. Um, so, but Michael Card said that all true songs of worship are born in the wilderness of suffering. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Mark extrapolates that without the rocky terrain of his lonely life, we wouldn't have many of the Psalms of David that we cherish. Oh, yeah. Um, and, and you think about like all the things that David went through or all the things that David went through because of his own stupidity. Um, I mean, a lot of the, a lot of his own pain was self inflicted. But without yes. a lot of that, we wouldn't have these beautiful psalms of lament that um, were created by David's pain, by yeah. David's um, suffering, and mm-hmm. it and it brings to brings to mind here that suffering refines what we trust in and how we talk about it. Oh yeah, and, and David was going through it. David was going through heartbreak and mm-hmm. um yeah i would argue like embarrassment and yeah uh 
all these things. And God was molding him and growing him. And David put pen to paper and wrote a lot of these Psalms of Lament. And without yeah. without the pain that David felt, we wouldn't have them. Yeah. Yeah, it's exactly right. And that pain a lot of times will bring clarity into your life. It will bring and it will it will lead you to trust. That mm-hmm. you know um a lot of times when you lose something, you learn from that loss and you learn how to trust better. Mm-hmm. And um I love the the quote that that Mark pulls out when he talked from William Cooper um mm-hmm. who says the clouds ye so much dread are big with mercy and shall break in blessings on your head. I, mm-hmm. You know, when I think about that, it, me being from South Alabama, and really, I mean, it happened in Georgia too, but it happens a lot down here. One minute, it will be blue skies, not a cloud in the sky, and the very next minute, you will see the biggest, darkest, nastiest mm-hmm. cloud that you've ever seen right over you. Yeah. And it will rain torrential rains for like three minutes. And then five minutes after that, it is beautiful skies again. And and you think about like, yes, it's bad that 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 rain and it ruins certain things. You know, it ruins your plans or your outdoor plans. But man, what does rain do for the earth? It it yeah. supplements the earth. It, it it causes your grass to grow and be green. And you know, without the rain, you you can't have a beautiful lawn. Yeah. And so you've got this. And 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 for. Those who don't have it, you guys have sprinkler systems if you don't have rain. So you still get rain, just in a different form. Right. Um, but without rain, and and as much as we say, oh, I don't like rain, you know, when you're a kid, all it did was ruin your outside time. Um, but, but you learn what rain actually does, and it brings a new perspective onto what rain actually provides. Mm-hmm. And so it brings a little bit different perspective onto those dark clouds. And I, that's why I love the title of the book, that is dark clouds, deep mercy. Yeah, you know, and he pulls that from Cooper here. But you're exactly right. So the so the clouds, you know, the clouds bringing rain, they may ruin your plans, but there's a purpose for them. And yeah, you know, the pain that we experience can become this sort of a platform for our own personal worship. And yeah, and we can we've learned how suffering can lead to trust, and that the language of this transition from pain to trust is lament. Yeah, it is the process of lamenting, um, and, and here you know once we've gone through turning to God, complaining, and asking boldly, we have a choice to make. Mm-hmm. We we really do have a choice to make, and the choice is um, we can choose to trust God or we can choose not to. Yeah, um, and really, you don't get to this point without doing the other three. <laughs> um, you can't just jump to the end and be like, I, "Okay, I trust God." Now, yes, you should trust God at all times with all things, but mm-hmm. in the process of lamenting, um, choosing to trust God is a result of you already going through the other three steps. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, and, you know, it, it leads to this choice. Um, and in order to truly lament, to truly get the idea of what, uh, what it looks like to biblically lament, mm-hmm. you've got to be able to move past your complaints in your requests, yeah. you have to, you have to basically get outside of yourself and outside of yeah. your desires and your flesh. Um, even if your desires aren't bad, mm-hmm. but they may not be part of God's plan. Yeah. Um, and, and that's when you get to the point where you're trusting God. Yeah. 
in in modern day psychoanalysis, I, I think we would call that processing. You know, you have to mm-hmm. you have to process what's in your in your mind so that you can almost get rid of it. Um, once you're able to kind of talk through that, mm-hmm. then you go you you almost either talk yourself into something or you talk yourself out of something. And and you know, I, I think I may have mentioned it in the last couple of weeks, but how many times do we we start talking about this problem that we've had or, or this issue that we're having and we start to talk about it and then we process it at the same time that we're talking about it and then realize when we get done with it, we're like, well, that wasn't a big deal at all. Right. Like, why was I making such a big deal out of this? Because in reality, it wasn't a big deal. It was just this, these couple little things that we had to fix. Then we fixed those things and now we're done. Yeah. You know, and and that's that's really what this process of lament that Mark has set forth does it, it, it gives you the tools necessary to walk yourself through the process so that in the end you can trust mm-hmm. and you can confidently trust in God. Yeah. Because God is who he says he is and he will always be who he says he is. Yeah. And that, that will lead us, you know, once we go through that process of, of prayer and lament and complaint and then boldly asking for help, we're going to get to the point where we are living a life that is decidedly faith-filled mm-hmm. and is decidedly yeah. pointed toward worship. You know, I think about John chapter 4 and the woman at the well, and 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 then later in that chapter, Jesus says he's looking for people to worship in spirit and in truth. That's the, that's the balance that we're talking about here. Right. The, the spirit says... I'm going to trust no matter what. And then the truth says, but I'm having a really hard time. You're being honest and saying, I'm having a really hard time with this and that and this and that. And so you end up with this, this almost dichotomy of different things where you're saying, this is hard and I'm doubting myself, but I'm still going to trust because my spirit uh, that, that God has put in me, the Holy spirit is saying, no, I've got to do it this way because this is the character of God this is what scripture teaches, and so this is the way I'm going to live my life. Yeah. And that leads us to a trust that is active. Yeah, and this this idea of, you know, we talked about it a little while ago, it's it's this idea of active patience, right? It's not like yep. a, I'm trusting God to act right now. I'm trusting yeah. God to, to work, work me through this thing right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it's not just something, trust isn't something you just decide to do one day, and then you're done like, yeah like you're just done for it, it i mean it's a lot like our our repentance almost where we should be in a like our initial repentance is i turn my back on my old life and put mm-hmm. my trust in jesus but repentance should be a continual like when you sin or when you've when god calls to mind sins that you're not even aware of you repent of them kind of thing it yeah. should be a continual thing trust is a very similar process here yes yes um, it is and you know it's not something you decide once and for all as you're walking through pain, um, because life isn't that simple. Grief, mm-hmm. you know, we talked about it. Mark said grief isn't tame. Um, yeah. And so when you lament, you know, putting your trust in God is going to have to be this constant conscious effort, mm-hmm. um, and, and that means entering into this process of lament over and over and over. Yeah. And it's doing that is going to keep leading us to trust. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and doing this helps us practice active patience. Um, yeah, 
It, it's it absolutely does, and that's where that's where we can turn to Psalm 13. And mm-hmm. um, I, I want to Psalm 13 is short, so I want to take a second. And I just want to read the entire Psalm. Yeah. Um. So that, so that as we walk through this, you'll be able to see exactly what we've been talking about this whole time. So, um, I'm gonna pick it up. I'm gonna read in the ESV. If whatever it is that you have, uh, I encourage you to, to grab your Bible and read along with me. Um, but Psalm 13 says this. It says, How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I take counsel in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all the day? How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? Consider and answer me, O Lord my God. Lift up my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. Lest my enemy say, I have prevailed over him. Lest my foes rejoice because I am shaken. But I have trusted in your steadfast love. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. There, there cannot that, that, be a clear picture. That's the whole process of lamenting from beginning to end. Beginning to end. It's, it's all right there. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, he, he comes before God in verses 1. And he is, he is saying, you know, he's bringing this prayer to God. He's saying, how long are you going to do this? This is really, in, in verses 1 and 2, he really combines um, turning to God in prayer and complaining to God all mm-hmm. at the same time because yeah. he's bringing this to God as a prayer, and he's saying, God, you've forgotten me. You're going to cause me uh, to, to seek counsel in my own soul because you've turned yeah. your face away from me. I've, I've got this sorrow that is all the day long. You know why are my enemies exalted over me? He's complaining, and then and then he kind of hits the last two in verses five and six. But I have trusted, you mm-hmm. know, and then and then he puts these asking boldly. I'm I'm choosing to put my trust in God. I'm saying that I'm going to do this, and I'm laying it out there and telling you exactly how I feel. Boldly coming before God and saying all of this. Yeah, and then in ver- and then in verse five, it shifts from the complaints to. Yeah. The trusting, and he says, um, verse 5 in the HCSB says, but I have trusted in your faith. He literally says trust, but I have trusted in your faithful love. My heart will rejoice in your deliverance. Yeah. Um, and something Mark pointed out in the in the chapter on this, he said that in the Lament Psalms, the word but marks a critical and consistent turn toward trust. Yeah. And it's, it's one of those markers, like um, therefore or... But and yet, we talked about mm-hmm. the yet bridge a couple of weeks ago. Um, and so anytime you see but in the Lament Psalms, it's it's the writer is moving from complaining, from asking boldly, to a point of trust. Yeah. Where he's remembering all that, you know, despite everything he's going through, despite all of his feelings, which valid, the feelings are valid, the mm-hmm. reasoning behind them may not be. But he's moving from there to a point of trusting God through it all anyway. Yeah. Um and, and that's really kind of the point of of really this whole this whole process of lamenting is that lamenting is trusting despite what the circumstances might lead you to believe. Yeah. And yeah. your your circumstances we talk about Job all the time. Oh, gosh. Job Job and I think I think even Mark talks about Job at some point, but he he talks about, you know, Mark lost literally, or not Mark, Job lost literally <laughs> everything, and still the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Like yeah. that is, 
choosing and i mean he had friends who were like dude what is wrong with you and he's like what's wrong with me what's wrong with you yeah <laughs> like why are y'all asking me i didn't do like the lord gave the lord take so i mean choosing to trust despite what your circumstances should lead you to be, or could lead you to believe mm-hmm. is a huge mark of a, in the life of a mature believer oh yeah is a in there i mean i don't know if i could do it and no no. I, it's, it's something that would be very challenging. So, if you've if you've ever met that person that even when something bad happens, they seem to always have this like quiet confidence where they don't have to prove something. They don't have to. They don't have to make some kind of bold declaration. Yeah. But but they you just you look at that person and you know they're going to be okay. They're going to survive. And they're going to do it because of the faith they have in God. And and a lot of times you see this at funerals, and, and we've talked about, you know, the way Christian funerals could really change. Um, some of the ones I've been to recently have been times of, of intense weeping, but somebody will get up there and say, I know that God is good because of these reasons. Mm-hmm. I, I miss my family member father, mother, spouse, child, whatever it is, I miss this person and my soul on this earth grieves because of that loss, that that loss that's not here with me anymore. Mm-hmm. But I still know this and 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 a lot of times it, it lays out a perfect opportunity for the gospel because the gospel yeah. is is exactly that. When we were wretched sinners, when we were by nature children of wrath is what Ephesians two calls us Verse four says, "But God, yeah, and and uh, you know, I've I've always said in in kind of joking way, you've ever talked to that that person that's like goes on and on and on, but this, and it's like when you say the word but, you have to forget everything that you said before the word but, right? And so, you know, you apply that it kind of jokingly here, but you you're a, you're a child of wrath, you're a by nature a deceiver, but God." Yeah. When God intervenes, everything that you were before gets tossed away. You're new. Yeah. You're something different now because yeah. God intervened right there. Yeah. And so I think it paints a beautiful picture for the gospel when you talk about um the the but coming in. You yeah. know, that 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 three letter word coming in there. And so yeah. this leads us to uh Mark points out three different affirmations of trust. Yeah. And so Let's walk through these three different affirmations. What's the first one that he brings out? So the first one he points out is, I have trusted in your steadfast love. Um, And this is just, I mean, remembering that God has a history with his people. Um, He's chosen his people, and he has been faithful to his people from the beginning, even when they repeatedly ran from him. Yeah. Um, and, And God is trustworthy. His people, his people choose to trust him. Yeah. Um, and that's the nature of the relationship. And to be a Christian means trusting in what God says and who he says he is. Um, being a follower of Jesus requires that we walk through life in continual trust. Mm-hmm. And this means that seasons of suffering aren't any different. So when yeah. things are – when I, I mean, cheesy as it was, facing the giants got it right. When we win, <laughs> we praise him. And when we lose, we praise him. Yeah, absolutely. So, so, what's the, the next, next one? The next thing he says is, "My heart shall rejoice in your salvation." Um, and Mark is pulling these, 
you know, straight out of Psalm 13, but this statement here, my heart shall rejoice in your salvation, connects trust directly to God's plan of redemption. Mm-hmm. And and you can you can read through the Old Testament, you can read through all of Scripture. God does not remove his people from the trial. He doesn't pull his people out and say, no, you're my chosen people. I'm not going to let anything bad happen to you. If if you actually believe that, then I would encourage you to go read the Old Testament. Um, yeah. Pick pick a book and start reading it, because just about anywhere you pick up and read, something bad is going to be happening to the nation of Israel. Um, you know, they're, they're in bondage to Egypt, then they come out and they conquer, they go into Canaan, and you think life is going to get better, and then all of a sudden, oops, here comes Babylon. Um, you know, and here comes Persia, and here comes everybody else to take them back into captivity. Yep. And we can talk about why they got back into that situation on another day, but uh, <laughs> t- today we're talking, you know, but nonetheless, through all of those things, God was still with them. He still was beside them. And the 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 lesson here is we are, as Christians, we're already rescued. Right. We may not have fully realized it yet. We've talked about talked about the already not yet tension. Um, we may not have fully realized it, but yes, we are secured. Our eternal security is done. It is finished, and it was finished on the cross for all of those who are in Christ. Mm-hmm. And so we've seen the picture time and time again in the Old Testament leading all the way up to the person and work of Jesus Christ, which is the ultimate rescue of his people. Mm-hmm. He does it. He sets the examples in the Old Testament, and then he rolls that right into the New Testament, and and the New Testament brings out the person and work of Jesus Christ, which secures all of humanity's sin. It didn't have to be this this continual, uh, almost kind of regenerating type of uh, rescue like it was in the Old Testament, where something would happen, then they would complain, then something would happen, then they would complain this mm-hmm. was a once-for-all kind of thing that Jesus yeah. did. And so mm-hmm. that leads us to say that suffering does not mean that God has forgotten us. Even though we are suffering, we know um, that we are not rejected, um, but we are in this this arc of history that is God's story of redemption mm-hmm. that he's going to bring about and he's going to fulfill in his good time for his good pleasure for the glory of his name. Yeah. So... What's the third thing he brings out? So the last of these affirmations of trust that Mark points out is, um, he's, it says, I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. And this really gets us to the point uh, that we've been talking about, of faith-filled, God-centered worship. Yeah. Um, David has allowed this process of lament to reorient his heart. You know, the first couple of verses, he's crying out, he's complaining, he's basi- he, he's basically like, at the bottom of his own personal totem pole, like mm-hmm. they cannot get any better than this. Like my enemies are going to overtake me. I am scum. Um, and by, by the end of Psalm 13, which like, you know, Anthony read the whole thing. It was six verses. Um, David's made the choice to praise God for his grace and mercy. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and his complaints and requests have now reached what their intended destination were from the beginning, which is faith-filled worship. Yeah. God always intends everything we go through, um, whether it's good times, suffering, trials, 
um, seasons of lament, seasons of of joy. Um, God intends all of that to come back to mm-hmm. faith filled worship. Um, and like we talked, like we just talked about a few minutes ago, Job, um, really in chapters thirty eight through forty one, God asks him this series of questions, and these questions show Job. Um, God's breathtaking majesty and power. Mm-hmm. And the, you know, this is a guy who lost his whole family, all of his possessions, um, all of his money, all of his servants, all of his kids. Um, the only person left was his wife. And I've heard Tim Hawkins say that Satan knew what he was doing when he did that. Um <laughs> I've actually never thought about that. That's really funny. <laughs> but but you know, but here's Job and you know, Job's friends are like, dude, you're you're the you're real messed up. What's going on here? And Job's I, I didn't do anything. I you know, I'm just being you know, it's just a test or whatever. And, and God asks a series of questions that show that allows Job to see and understand God's majesty and power and his I don't want to say his whole plan because there's no way to understand the whole plan of God. Mm-hmm. Um, but but Job Job knew more in that moment about God's majesty and power than we could ever hope to learn in a lifetime. Yeah, and um, you know, getting back to a point where everything we do leads us to this idea of faith filled, God centered worship um, is really the end goal of all things, but especially of lament. Yeah, yep, and. When you go through that process and you get yourself to a place where you can trust God, you can trust the character of God, you can trust the works of God that are for your good and for his glory, mm-hmm. you're going to see that that type of trust played out in different vari- in a variety of ways. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things is is that I would think of is, your trust is not going to be the same from day to day. It's not going to be a duplicate. It's not like uh, you can blueprint your trust on one day and it be the same, you know, because every day is going to bring a new challenge and it's going to bring a new way that you have to commit and you have to say, I'm going to trust God today. Yeah. You know, I'm going, I think about what Jesus says when he says, take up your cross daily and follow me. That's a, that's a, a type of statement that says, you know, you get up, you take up your cross, and then you do it. Mm-hmm. And then you get done with your day, and you put your cross down and go to sleep, and then you get up and you do it again. You're yeah. never, you know, you wear different clothes every day, um, unless you're Steve Jobs, and you wear the same black turtleneck and jeans. Um, mo- you know, but you, you get up, you put on a different shirt. You, you do something different every day. No two days are identical. Right. You know, you may have the same structure, but no two days are identical. And that's what yeah. trust is going to look like. It's going to be different yeah every day yeah i mean even like you know not even just day to day but trial to trial yeah you know you you could go through one really you could go through one really difficult thing work through it work through the process of lament get to where you're you know, you're you're back good yeah and then get hit with some a completely different trial right and your process of lament may not work the same. You it may take longer, or you may get stumbled into the mm-hmm. complaints. You may get stuck in one area or whatever. Um, but like you were saying, like that's where you have to get to the point where you're just trusting God for who He is. Mm-hmm. And, and sometimes that's all we have. Sometimes yeah. all we have is who God says He is. Yeah. 
Um, and if we're going to trust God for who he is, then that means we don't stop trusting because mm-hmm. God is a God who doesn't change. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and so if we're going to say that we trust God for who he is, then, then we're going to learn to live in the tension between, you know, the pain of what we're going through yeah. and the confidence of trusting in the sovereignty of God. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So. Absolutely. Um, and, and I think, you know, the last major point that Mark has here is to trust the one who keeps you trusting. Yeah. Um, and, and this comes, this is the idea that God helps you to keep trusting him. He mm-hmm. helps in your process of lamenting. He told a story about after they lost their, uh, basically full term baby to a miscarriage and either his brother or his wife's brother, had reached out to John Piper to tell their story. Mm-hmm. The pastor, John Piper, yeah. like the, the, the John, John Piper. Piper. <laughs> and um, Mark said he was sitting in his office or at home and saw an email pop up from John Piper. And, you know, he was blown away that in the thousands of emails that John Piper likely gets every single day that he chose, that he responded back yeah. to this situation. And the email simply said, um, you know, heard about your story me and my wife are praying for you keep trusting the one who keeps you trusting yeah and in this whole process you know there may be tear-filled prayers mm-hmm. you may be wrestling through tough questions um and you may be bank and banking on the promises of god but all of those things are part of the journey yeah. to keep us trusting they're all part of the journey of lament and so in order to truly say I've gone through the process of lament over X, Y, and Z, you've got to get to a point where you're trusting God for whatever that situation was. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, I've, I've always heard the phrase, God helps those who help themselves. And I, I can't, I don't, I don't know where it came from. I, I always heard it in church and, and I've, I've always heard it associated with church people, but I would hope that no church person would ever say that to somebody mm. because, you know, that that is possibly the most unbiblical statement you could say to somebody. Yeah. Because here's the reality. God helps those who can't help themselves. Um, we're broken. We have no way back to a Redeemer, but God made a way. Yeah. You know, we are a people who are bent on doing what we want to do. And so when it comes to trust, we have to be the one. We have to rely on God and say, God, I'm going to need your help to be able to do this. I'm going to need you to keep me trusting. And I'm going to put my trust in you because I know you're going to keep me trusting. You know, I love that line. You know, put your trust in the one who keeps you trusting. Keep trusting the one who keeps you trusting. that, That is the antithesis of God helps those who help themselves. God helps the ones who help themselves. And so, um, you know, I, I would just encourage you, keep trusting the one who keeps you trusting. Yeah. And, and yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a great way to end that conversation. Yeah. That's a, let's land that play. <laughs> and, um, man, so next week, we'll kind of preface this up. Next week, we're going to start diving into the book of Lamentations. We're going to spend uh, basically a, a week on each chapter. And just talk about what 
uh, how the Book of Lamentations teaches us as Christians how to lament. You know, we've kind of yeah. got the process laid out, and so we're going to talk about what it, uh, what Scripture, walking through a book of the Bible, the Book of Lamentations, what we can do to learn to lament and and what we can do and how we can apply scripture to our lives and so keep uh keep on the lookout for the next few weeks because it's going to be a it's going to be a fun few weeks this has been a a fun study so far um and and i've really enjoyed going back through this book um because it's been it's been such a good book for me um but michael if they want to get in touch with us uh on social media platforms where would they go and do that you can find the Beers and Bible podcast on Instagram at Beers and Bible underscore. You can find us on Twitter at Beers and Bible P1. You can find us on Facebook by searching for Beers and Bible podcast and looking for our logo there. You can email us at Beers and Bible podcast at gmail.com. And you can also visit our website, Beers and Bible podcast.com pick up some B&B merch and represent the podcast wherever you may go. Um, and we look forward to hearing from you. Um, like we said, the lamentation study is starting next week. That's a f- five week study. I yeah, believe we'll do five. We should be able to do it in five weeks. Well, it'll be at least a five week study. So if you have any suggestions, any suggestions for what you'd like for us to talk about after that study is over, we'd love to hear that. Or if you have any beer and, or apparently whiskey reviews that are suggestions that, um, you think would be a good addition to the podcast or that you think we'd enjoy, uh, let us know those on our um, social media platforms. And that's it. Yeah. So until next week, we hope your beer stays cold and your Bible stays open, and we will see you later. Peace out.